Thanks, Matt and Kiralee. Uh, we are beginning this important series uh, that I am praying is going to help us uh, give us a bit of focus this year on what it means for us uh, to grow together, not just as individuals, uh, but as a community. And I'm going to be uh, praying uh, throughout this series uh, that this will be one that we'll be able to refer back to throughout the year and hopefully in years ahead. What I'd like to do today, uh, it's going to be a little bit shorter our time today than normal, which some of you might be pleased on a night like tonight, and uh, hopefully a little bit less complex than last week's one, who um, I spoke to a number of people after we looked at Mark 13 and said, what on earth was that all about? Um, and so hopefully this will be a little bit clearer. Uh, what I'd like to do tonight is convince you why the rest of this series is worth listening to, uh, worth wrestling with, worth being here each week and discussing with in your home group uh, during the week. But before we get into it, I'd like to make a few uh, important disclaimers that are probably worth making before we start this series, and we might make them a little bit later as well. Uh, the disclaimers are, if you are here tonight... And you know in your heart you are not yet somebody who trusts Jesus with your whole life. That is, you don't consider yourself someone who would say that you're a Christian or someone who knows and loves and trusts Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Can I first of all say it is just so wonderful that you are here with us tonight. And I also acknowledge that for many people in this situation, what we do tonight is could be very weird and strange and I get that. And I, I get there are some things that are strange. Even though I think we're fairly normal, sometimes I pinch myself thinking, what we do at church is quite strange. And so I just want to acknowledge, thank you for being here. And I do hope that uh, our time together, if it's tonight's your first time or if it's multiple times, uh, is a blessing for you wherever you're at in life and that you do feel welcome and loved by our community here at St Mark's, even if we do that imperfectly. But I wanted to say that particularly as we begin this series, because as we go through this series, it has a level of assumed uh, buy-in, buy-in with the news of Jesus. And what I mean by that is not assumed knowledge. Uh, what we're looking at in this series is not particularly complicated, but the implications are profound. And it assumes that you're on board with the person of Jesus and following him. So this series is quite, it's directed uh, towards when, when, when Jesus exhorts and uh, commissions and instructs his disciples, what he instructs them to do, he's instructing them to do it in light of his death and his resurrection, and they are his followers. And what we're looking at is kind of the what's next, right? So the, the order is quite important. The series is not a series about the things that we must do to make ourselves acceptable before God. Uh, this series isn't a series, a checklist of requirements for us, things for us to do as a church to receive the promise of salvation or something like that. And I say that because if you stood back and just looked at some of the titles and the themes, you might think that because there's a bit of context that needs to come around it. The purpose of this series is for us to get clarity on the question, okay, now that we have turned to Jesus and given our lives to him and we've, we gather as this mob called the St. Mark's Brower Church group, we've accepted his free gift of grace, what on earth are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing now? Because of what Jesus has done for us, what on earth are we doing now? And if you're here and you are not yet a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, my, my prayer 
is this time will be helpful for you, but you'll also spend these weeks also wrestling with the life of Jesus, his ministry, who he is, what he did for us. And I would love to recommend a group that starts tomorrow night. Uh, that is, it's called, uh, we had an alpha group last year. This is a beta group. Uh, Jim Wright is uh, leading that group on Monday nights, starting tomorrow night, I think up here at 7.30 or 7.45. I'll double check that. Uh, but please, again, indicate your interest on the QR code and we can get in touch with you. But that's especially for people who are keen to check out Jesus, examine Jesus, have a think, is Jesus the real deal? I encourage you to do that. So that's the first disclaimer for this series. This is intended and directed particularly for those who have given their life to Jesus and thinking, okay, what on earth are we doing now, right? The second disclaimer is you're going to hear the phrase make disciples a lot during this series. And so much so that you're probably going to get sick of hearing it after a while. Uh, In fact, you might find yourself thinking, okay, surely there is more to do and more to the Christian life than just making disciples, And that, I guess, depends on what we mean by the language. Often we think of making disciples as simply making converts. And so if it's a marks we're not converting people, then we mustn't be making disciples. We're going to see that making converts or people being converted from being not a Christian to a Christian is one area of making disciples. But we're going to see it's broader than that. And I also like to encourage people uh, who have been around church circles for a while, maybe very familiar with the passages read, not to switch off when you hear this language, assuming that you know what is being talked about, because I have been rebuked and corrected as I prepared this series and very familiar with these verses. I found myself challenged, corrected and sharpened multiple times about my assumptions around making disciples. So some people might have a bit of a resistance to the language of making disciples. If you feel it's uh, too mechanical or too human-centred, too impersonal, my prayer is that assumption will be uh, challenged as we go through this series. So there are the disclaimers out of the way. We won't be doing that every week. But it's important because this series is a little bit different. Uh, Let's spend some time now thinking about these words of Jesus, known as the Great Commission from Matthew 28, and why their implications are so important for us to uh, listen to and think through uh, this term and for our church life. So we've got a number of reasons why I think it's worth us listening to Jesus. The first is, we listen to Jesus because of what he has done. So Jesus is not just saying these words out of context, just randomly, just saying, all authority on earth has been given to me, go and make disciples of all nations. He's not saying that randomly. He's saying it because of what he has done. These words come after the words earlier in the chapter, Uh, In verse 5, we read, The angel told the woman, Don't be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He has been resurrected, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen. He has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So we listen to Jesus because of what he has done. He has died. He is rise, just as he said. These are significant events. They're events in history. And these words where he commissions his disciples are in light of this incredible event. The resurrection of the dead. His own resurrection, just as he said he would. So we listen to Jesus. If we believe that Jesus 
isn't just sort of still dead there and he just rose sort of spiritually. If we believe that Jesus did die on the cross and rise to life, and not just sort of walk away and go to heaven or something. He actually said some very particular words to his disciples. They're really worth listening to, right? That's the first thing. The second uh, reason we listen to is because of his authority. Now, we picked up on that in this first psalm that was read, Psalm 2, a psalm originally kind of about the King, King David, the kind of shadow of the Christ to come, speaking, we know, foreshadowing the Christ uh, God's anointed king we read in verse 6 of Psalm 2 I have consecrated my king on Zion my holy mountain I will declare the Lord's decree he said to me you are my son today I become your father ask of me and I'll make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth your possession so we're seeing a declaration of, of incredible authority of the nation. So we think of the authority figures in the world and, you know, it's kind of, you know, this, this doesn't even compare to that. This is just, that, that doesn't even compare to this. It's, this is incredible authority. And then Jesus comes along in Matthew 28 and he says after his resurrection, verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So if that's not a reason to listen to the words, I don't know what is. Uh, I remember um, at a church I was at a number of years ago, uh, I kind of finished a political science degree and an arts degree, and I, I felt like I knew a bit about something, and we had this, um, I was just chatting to someone over morning tea who was new to the church, and I, I realised he had a bit of an interest in politics, and so I thought, oh, this is something I know about, and I started just talking and talking as I do, some people who know me, I start talking away, and I've been told that I talk a lot sometimes talking talking and they're speaking with quite confident things and it's you know when you pick up a few areas of interest you start speaking like you're an authority on the topic and then midway through the conversation i realized this person was like a world leading expert who'd come out to australia to lecture all the experts in this field that i was talking about uh, at the university of new south wales and i was like and i sort of it was that kind of humbling moment where i suddenly realized i was not the authority that i thought i was in the situation we listen to Jesus' words, even though as Christians, we go, yeah, all authority, all authority. But yeah, if we believe this authority, then we will listen to these words. That's the second reason why we listen to these words. The third reason, and this is a bit, the bit I think where we can get caught up, is that Jesus is speaking to us. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, we know that the whole of the Bible is for us. It's God's word to us. It's for us. But we also know some parts of the Bible, if you're, read a, if you're reading a discussion with uh, Jesus and Peter, let's say, you know there's a certain element, well, that, those words were first to Peter and they weren't necessarily directly to us. And there, are, there is dialogue and there are parts of the Bible with, in the Old Testament narratives where there's dialogue. We know that it's God's word to us in a big picture sense, but it's not necessarily God's word directly to us. And so it's easy when we get to passages like this to say, well, you know, these are Jesus' words to his first disciples, but they're not really to us. And that's, I think, the big trap where we can find we just put these verses in the kind of maybe the, the parish council mission statement that gets put on a, a minute somewhere and we just put it in a, a locked drawer and say, yeah, okay, we believe that, but then functionally it doesn't make any difference. That's a dangerous position for us to be in because these words are for us. Just notice a few things. Jesus talks about 
these are going to all nations. All nations. Now, all nations, you might be surprised, actually does include Barara, Barara Heights even, Cowan, Brooklyn, I, 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 I think I missed this morning, Mount Collar is not in there, sorry Mount Collar people, Mount Karingai, Mooney Mooney, and that stops at Hornsby, sorry everyone, no, no. No, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds obvious. All nations, that's us, right? That is definitely us. And we know that these first disciples didn't get to... Okay. I've missed something. What have I missed? Okay, this is... So you've got to get Josh off proclaim. He's getting too clever. He's starting to... Um, okay, all right. Thank you, Josh. And Nicola, and you can put Hornsby in there as well. No, all right. So we know that includes us, but here's the thing. I think we can start kind of writing it off as if, well, you know, the nations, it's all kind of every, everyone, but it doesn't, we, kind of, we, we kind of think still it's something of Jesus' words that are just there in the past. But he said, no, all the nations, the first disciples, they only went, they didn't get to all the nations, right? We, are, we rejoice that for all the complexities around the arrival of the first fleet on the 26th of January, that the gospel came clothed in human sin like it always has, but it came to our nation for the first time. Second thing we see in these verses when Jesus says, commissions his disciples, Jesus says he's going to be with his disciples always, not just to the very end of their life, but to the very end of the age. And again, that includes us in 2024. So these words, after Jesus' resurrection, speak to us in a way that is, you could say, quite uniquely direct. <laughs> so we need to listen. We need to listen and hear these words. Fourth reason we need to listen to these words, and again, this is the one that's probably the hardest to swallow, is because of what is at stake. So we don't believe the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is good life advice. Uh, we don't believe that the news of Jesus is just a better way to live. We think, it, of course, it is. We believe that the gospel of Jesus is a message of who is Lord, who is Saviour. It is a rescue mission, which means there is a lot at stake for people who reject this message and people who don't hear it. There is what we call, and it's not an old-fashioned idea, heaven and hell. We speak the gospel to the nations because we don't just believe it's imperialistic, wise advice, but there's a lot at stake. Uh, the Salvation Army uh, minister famously wrote, William Booth wrote a poem in the turn of the century, I think it was, called Vision for the Lost. And it was a, it was a, it was a description of a punch, bunch of people drowning at sea and this big platform came up, which some people were able to get on and not drown at the sea. And as they got on, he was delighted to see them pulling people up 
onto that platform out of the sea, a little bit like that image that we've been using for our series of pulling people up. And he, then he was in despair. He was in despair when he suddenly saw people pulling people up and then they stopped pulling people up and just started playing cricket and other sports and stuff on the platform and forgetting the people behind them, drowning at sea. There is a lot at stake and we are so quickly numb to that. Any one of you who has a family member who has turned their back on Jesus, you will know the grief that you feel with that family member, not just because they might have made a few unwise life choices. We all make unwise life choices, but we know there is a lot at stake when people turn their back on Jesus. So we listen to him because so much is at stake. Well, as we uh, wrap up this little introduction today, we're thinking, what on earth are we doing? I just wanted to break down the Great Commission, just how, how, how the kind of, how to understand the grammar and the syntax. What an interesting way of finishing a talk, talking about grammar and syntax. But I think it's helpful, okay? Because it'll help us clarify what we're going to be looking at. What on earth are we doing? And we see the, the phrase, go and make disciples of all nations, we sometimes think, well, is, is the emphasis on go and, and, or is it make disciples of nations and all these kinds? Here's the way I think it's helpful for us to understand it. The first, we see therefore at the top. Therefore, that means what is being said in this great commission is in light of what Jesus has already done. Very important. Therefore, because of all the authority that's been given to Jesus, therefore, dot, dot, dot. Now, the actual way the, the language hangs off is actually make disciples of all nations. That's actually in the Greek, the actual imperative, the command, make disciples. And then underneath that is kind of explaining what does making disciples look like? Well, it involves going. That means don't just huddle around me, right, on this hill. You've got to go somewhere. You don't need to convert Jesus. <laughs> Go. Then make disciples baptizing. Now, that, of course, refers to our practice of baptism, water baptism. But I think we see in the Gospels and we see throughout the New Testament that is really depicting conversion, right? Going from death to life, repenting, turning away from one way of living, turning back to Jesus, symbolized by the practice of baptism. So that's where we would get the idea of making disciples is converting people right? That's one part of it. But making disciples under that also hangs teaching, teaching them to observe everything Jesus has commanded you. So parents, as they raise children to trust and obey Jesus, they're making disciples. Your, your home group leader, as they help you trust and observe everything that Jesus has commanded. They are making disciples. Not necessarily converts, but they're making, shaping, growing, forming disciples. And the third thing we note there is Jesus is with us. Noting there, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this particular line here, we often sometimes take this a little bit out of context and say, well, isn't it wonderful that Jesus is with us always? And that's absolutely true. But I think the intention of Jesus' words here is a bit sharper. He's not just saying, I'm with you always in a general sense. A little bit like a, a, um, 
a commander of an army taking, leading the army off, I'm with you in this task. I'm with you always as you do this. And we know the task of sharing the gospel, helping people understand Jesus, whether it's in the home, the church, the community, is not an easy task. As some people have said, it sometimes feels like ploughing concrete. It is a very, can be a very tiring task. And so Jesus says, he is with us always in this activity. So where we're going to go uh, over the next few weeks, simple titles, but I'm hoping that will give us some time to break down this. So next week we're thinking about, okay, why are we called to make disciples? We're going to be looking at the trajectory of history. Then we're going to break down what is a disciple of Jesus uh, that is, what, is a, what, what, is it, what does it actually mean? And the, the following week, we'll think about how are disciples of Jesus made? Sometimes we think, well, God just makes disciples. Well, no, he's actually commanded his followers to make disciples. So what does it mean for a human, a follower of Jesus, to make disciples? How are they made? Where are they made? And then we'll finish up uh, before the weekend, before our weekend away, thinking about what it means to grow together as disciples of Jesus. So I do commend to you uh, this series. Uh, you'll be looking at it, Yabs, if you're in if you're in Yabs. All the home groups, uh, the the regular home groups, with the exception of a few of them, will be looking at this series together. Materials will be out during the week. I do commend to you uh, to uh, be along here on Sundays, catch up if you're not able to, because I think the implications will not just be profound uh, at, at a personal level, which I hope they are every week, but I think particularly. It'll be very helpful for us as a church to get that clarity on what are we on about? Why, what on earth are we doing? Let me pray and then we're going to sing. Father, we do give you thanks that you haven't left us in the dark. You've given us the privilege to be people who make disciples of your son, bringing people up out of the drowning sea into safety, into rescue. We ask you'll help us, particularly those of us who have been burnt by this experience, maybe hurt uh, by the way that people have uh, tried to talk to us in the past or the efforts that we've had, we've made. We ask that you will refresh us so that we do see the urgency of your message, that there is so much at stake, that you have given us this commission. We ask you'll help us to have a renewed a passion and desire for more and more people in our community to grow and to know you more and more. Amen.